All right, welcome to the East Career Cast, brought to you by the Career Development Committee of the Eastern Association for the Surgery of Trauma. My name is Charlie Harris. I'm an acute care surgeon at Tulane University in New Orleans, Louisiana. Our topic today is physician wellness. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Jennifer Hartwell, MD, Assistant Professor of Surgery and Division Chief at, of Acute Care Surgery at Indiana University, the Associate Dean of Wellness for the School of Medicine and the Chief Wellness Officer. Also joining us today will be Dr. Chrissy Guidry, who's an Assistant Professor of Surgery here in New Orleans and, and the Chair of the Wellness Committee at the Tulane University School of Medicine. Welcome. All right, so uh, to start off, I wanted to start by asking, um, so a lot of us over the last decade um, have uh, heard through, throughout training, have heard terms like work-life balance and burnout um, and have had varying discussions with, uh, with um, mentors regarding these topics. Um, and actually in uh, 2015, we did a career cast episode, career cast episodes for both of those topics. So wellness is now a new term that at least I have only started hearing recently. So what is different about the use of this new term? So um, this is Chrissy Guidry. Um, I'm so happy to be on this to raise the importance of uh, physician well-being, especially in surgeons. Um, and I'd like to uh, first address that question. Of my many hats, I also wear the hat of the Associate Program Director for Wellness and Mentoring. And um, just that title and the, the you know, um, you know, the, the talking about physician well-being and wellness over the last few years actually is, you know, something that I hope we can talk about more in this uh, career cast, but it really is, you know, like, what we're, what we're finding is more important in um, our leadership, which is a great, um, uh, a great sign from our leadership, is that I actually have a position called the Associate Program Director for Wellness and Mentoring. So there's, there's a light somewhere uh, shining bright uh, that, that wellness and, and physician well-being is important. Um, to address your question, um, I think that you know, when we first started talking about wellness and wellness was buzzing in, in programs, I think, you know, I found this quote that really kind of, you know, was my vision of what wellness was back then. And, and it goes, uh, wellness is defined as a dynamic and ongoing process involving self-awareness and healthy choices resulting in a successful, balanced lifestyle. So I think that's kind of how we started to see wellness. Um, and we started to think about wellness as um, an actual teeter-totter balance. And that one side has to be, you know, supported by the other side. And so it has to be this um, equal balance. Um, but actually what I think that wellness over the last five years or so has kind of morphed into something more of a... Um, a work-life integration. And I think um, this quote actually is what I see as uh, physician um, wellness and well-being has kind of morphed into. And, and even just the terminology um, moving from 
physician wellness, and we used to say that wellness along, uh, you know, probably five years ago, and to now is we focus more on the the buzz of physician well-being. Um, I'm not sure if if those choice words just get sold a little better, or we just have a more positive connotation around those words. But I do feel like there's something about when we talk about our well-being, it seems more personal. Um, so I, I found this quote that I think is really cool is um, physician or surgeon well-being is a state of personal fulfillment and engagement that leads to joy in one's practice and connection to why one entered healthcare and surgery as a profession in the first place. So to me, that kind of, you know, we, we, it morphed into what we say, oh, physician is, a, you know, this, 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 into really our well-being is, is looking at the core um, connection that we have with our profession and, and do we get joy out of actually practicing as a surgeon and engaging in that part of our, um, of our world. And um, I think that kind of, uh, to me, is what um, sort of how it, it has changed over the last five years. Um, uh, maybe, uh, Jen, you can share what your experience is uh, in your leadership. Yeah, and I would echo a lot of the things you said, Chrissy. I completely agree that um, the, the, the terminology of work-life balance is a tough one because it, it insinuates that something has to give on either side all the time. And so <clears throat> I like the terminology work-life rhythm um, or integration. So um, but I would also add to what you said um, that I think that we started this journey on provider well-being years ago by talking about burnout. And so something that I've really been um, cautious about is understanding the giant chasm between burnout and well-being. So there's a big space between being not burnt out and wellness is way more than just not being burnt out. And mm -hmm. so I really am pressing on that in my institution. Um, and I also think that we're starting to understand now as we've come through this uh, journey nationally and understanding physician wellness, that there, that this is not, doesn't just belong to the physicians. This is our, um, I say at, at IU, we say there are three parts to wellness. There's our personal growth, the pieces that we are personally responsible for. And then there's team collaboration, the way that our leaders lead our team, the way that we function within a team and support one another. And then there's system culture. There are things that drive my wellness or burnout that are out of my control and that are um, uh, up to the, the system. And so that's where I think we're really seeing um, this growth in, in putting people like you and I, Chrissy, in, in leadership positions for wellness, because what this does is elevates the voice of wellness at the highest levels of decision-making, which drives a healthy system culture. And when all these three things work together, then we really strive for that wellness, that kind of sense of vitality and, and overall well-being. Totally. Certainly. So it's, I think you made a very good point, especially with regards to um, um, burnout, there being a, a vast chasm between the burned out position and those needing wellness. Everybody needs wellness to some extent, and you'd like to be able to catch those people before they get burnt out as opposed to um, anything else. Um, so kind of leading into my next question. So you both have titles related to wellness and it suggests that the idea is becoming institutionalized 
to the extent that you know deans and hospital CEOs are now rec recommending it, recognizing its importance. Um, how is this important going forward for our, our specialty and medicine in general? Well, I think that, um, you know, in 2017, when the ACGME was, you know, really made it important, um, you know, documenting it in the, you know, part of your training, it was the first time that wellness was actually a required part and a priority established by the ACGME. So I think that kind of trickled down, which was very helpful because, it not only gave us, um, you know, the opportunity to be like, okay, like we really need to be well, but we not only need to be well, but you have to check this box for the ACGME. So, you know, as, as much as I want to say, wellness is not checking a box. It's not, in, it helped us. It really did. It helped us because we were able to get some resources. We were able to say like, okay, well, I really wanna make my residents well because I care about them. But also you need to be able to check these boxes. So I think whenever you kind of sell it in both ways, you really get a little bit more support and um, a little bit backing for you know, all your initiatives that you're trying to do. Um, and you know, in the, with the ACGME, their standards, they decided that their, their pillars of well-being, which I think were really well established and really helped us to, to, uh, to set a foundation of what we should be giving our residents, were, um, they were prioritizing self-care, meaning and purpose, mentorship, and education. So I think, um, you know, that helping us, uh, bringing that into our um, our curriculums, our what we teach our residents was, was super important. Um, I, I forgot the, the question again. <laughs> how are uh, how are they becoming institute? How is the idea of um, of uh, wellness becoming institutionalized? So you mentioned the ACGME and incorporation yeah. into the residency program. What are some specific ways in which you are incorporating wellness into the uh, curriculum for residency? So Jen, I don't know if you want to answer, but um, I can uh, just briefly say, you know, like we, we're doing a lot. Um, I feel like for the surgery department in general, uh, we've spearheaded so many things over and beyond what the School of Medicine is doing. Um, we meet as a, a School of Medicine wellness committee uh, once a month and we talk about the initiatives and, you know, what's been really helpful is to get a wellness representative from each residency department. They come back and they report to us what wellness initiatives they have done in their department. Um, what I'm finding is we're very lucky in surgery at Tulane is that um, our chair has been super supportive of it and we've, able, we've been able to do certain things. For instance, um, we give our residents a half day off a month um, to take care of any health wellness issues that they need to do. Even if it's an oil change for your car, uh, a dental appointment, OBGYN, uh, a, visiting a family member that's in town, anything that they wanna do. Now, do our residents all take it? Not necessarily, but I think our residents have a really good relationship with each other that they can ask for it. But just that opportunity of them knowing that they have a half day off a month, they actually use it to do things like take care of themselves. A new initiative that I'm starting this August with the residents is that um, 
our, we have a clinic called the Living Well Clinic in the School of Medicine, and they have a um, psychiatrist that actually has agreed to help us with this initiative. We, we're going to start with um, just the PGY3s this next year, and they're going to have um, a meeting three times a year with the, the psychiatrist to have what's called a wellness checkup. And it's not a documented meeting. It is uh, off the record, um, nothing reported. Um, and it, this is just to make sure that they know that they're supported. They know the resources. And if they need to see a psychiatrist or they request to see someone for counseling, we, we can set that up from there. Also at that meeting um, annually, when they meet in August, they're gonna also have a physical health screening. So they'll have a physical done and um, they'll have their lab works done and everything that you would see at a regular PCP appointment. These appointments are all opt out optional. They're not required. So we're not telling the residents they have to go get a mental health screen. They have to get a physical health screen, but we strongly encourage them and we schedule them for them. And if they want to opt out, they can opt out. So far, our first class, we have five residents a year here. They have all agreed to participate in it. We're going to trial it with that class. If they like it, then the department's going to actually help to fund the rest of the um, other classes. But these services, a lot of the services that we offer for health and wellness are free. You just have to find the providers and the right places to send them and schedule them because we all know we were all residents before. Who wants to find the time to schedule another appointment, to schedule a, a physician checkup, especially because we all feel like we're healthy, you know? Um, so that's, that is one thing that I really, they seem to be excited about. Um, I'm really excited that they actually can, they can meet with a, a health coach too. And we're talking more about reading labels, which is so exciting for me. Um, and I, I'm, I'm excited to see how this next year goes. Um, but that, those are just a couple of the things, you know, we, we, we do pre-COVID was a little different. We had the social out of hospital experiences. Um, we had routinely scheduled, we had a, um, a meetup at a brewery where all the residents can come and we watch the Saints game together. Um, we actually had a, uh, a competition at uh, Orange Theory one year where the attendings versus each class, we all, we basically rented out all of Orange Theory for an hour and we competed against each other and the residents loved that. Um, there was a, a sense of uh, teamwork, um, you know, but the, the competition was, you know, strong in each class. So it was really cool to see him out of the hospital kind of doing things all together. Yeah, that's really great, Chrissy. I, I think that, um, that those are some really, really good practical ideas that uh, people can implement in their own institutions. Um, I wanted to, to add on to what you were saying about, you know, the reason why so many of us are in institutions where we're looking towards having, you know, named leadership for wellness. Um, the ACGME certainly was a strong driver of that. And I think um, additionally, the, the much of the research that has been published by Tate Shanafelt and uh, Jonathan Ripp and Chris Sinsky and Heather Farley and many others um, has identified that there's a business case for investing in wellness as well. There's um, a steep price to pay for um, physician turnover related to burnout. So there's actually some you know, calculations or some data on that. And I did a back of the napkin uh, calculation for, you know, turnover, cost of turnover in my own institution 
uh, based on national rates of burnout. And it, it ran into the millions of dollars a year. So you can make a pretty good business case too, that it's worth investing in your people. And so I think that that's garnered some attention as well. And if you think about like a chief wellness officer having the same uh, level of uh, commitment and responsibility as say the chief financial officer and the chief operations officer, um, those people aren't um, individually responsible for the financial solvency of the organization, but they're is responsible for providing the data and casting the vision. And that's really what I think that leaders in wellness need to be doing, um, especially institutional leaders. And so I think that's why that's, it's garnered some traction over the last couple of years. And I think we're kind of early in the organizational leadership journey of wellness, uh, similar to the way that uh, quality has grown over the years. You, you know, asked me about quality 20 years ago, and I wasn't aware of specific quality programs. And now it's just part of our everyday experience. So I think that the, the organizational leadership and wellness is kind of taking that same that same turn. Um, and people are starting to realize uh, that the financial um, need for investment in this, um, in addition to the ethical, moral, human need uh, for this uh, type of work as well. Totally. Very good. What sort of um, wellness programs are you instituting at the institutional level? Yeah, so at the IU School of Medicine a couple of years ago, they um, transitioned to pass-fail grading. Uh, which was noted to be a big organizational um, change, a co-curricular change uh, that really relieved uh, a heavy burden of stress off of um, the students. Uh, we also have a program for our medical students um, called the Wellness Coalition. And so students can engage in being leaders in well-being and have a whole host of a variety of, of programming. For our residents specifically, um, they have a free um, admission to the art museum, which also includes um, an outdoor area. And uh, so that's been very widely adopted. Um, so we have a couple of initiatives like that, similar to what Chrissy was talking about. Some of it just comes down to building in uh, time to be together outside of the, the hospital. So uh, we have um, several of those initiatives for physicians in particular. Um, we've done things like try to relieve some of the burden of electronic health record documentation. We've hired some scribes um, there. We're trying to address specifically some of the drivers of, of burnout. So there's no one right answer for anyone's institution. Um, so I think that really it comes down to uh, exploring the felt needs of uh, the constituents and then directly addressing them. Right. I would just add too, I feel like we felt as a wellness committee and we're very much in the infancy stages um, of even, you know, forming a framework, you know, um, things like that of our even committee, um, which, you know, like we, we want to come up with our own logo. We want to come up with our own uh, mantra of, you know, how we value wellness as uh, physicians and the school of medicine. Um, I would just add a couple of things that we did as a wellness committee is we um, had the dean sponsor some awards um, because we we know that you know when we feel valued as physicians, uh, we feel like we're you know actually contributing to the well-being of our patients um, and how we are dedicated to our patients or or to our colleagues to teaching um, that that is um, is feels good um, you know when someone notices that you do something good for them. And, and then um, actually there's monetary awards um, also attached to these. It's not just a plaque on your wall. Um, so uh, we did implement that. And there's actually um, 
schools across the nation that they have, we, we researched all of them and made like all these tables and, and, and charts and brought to the Dean and said, Hey, look, all these medical schools across the nation or are doing these awards. Uh, so we thought that was a good way to kind of show that, um, uh, we could do something like that. We also decided for the next academic year, we're going to start and we kind of um, base this on USC's strategy, strategies of, of forming affinity groups. So affinity groups uh, are going to be formed uh, and this will be at a resident level, faculty level and medical student level. And then we'll have gatherings when all of them are together. So uh, this can lead to some, you know, allies outside of work and uh, especially a lot of our residents and medical students and faculty talked about groups for their significant others. Um, so this would give a, an opportunity for people to form bonds and relationships um, and and have an avenue to do things outside of, of work that's that's um, adds to their well-being. Um, it's a little different at Tulane because a lot of our residents and our medical students are from out of state. So um, it's really good for them to kind of meet other families or friends that are from different areas of the country and then they can build some social bonds and then you know make plans to do social activities outside of work. Um, uh, the other thing too is we have um, plans, and this was all set in motion pre-COVID, but um, there was a building on the corner, um, uh, right down the street from Tulane, that was a police station before. And actually the, the university decided we were gonna turn that into a gym. So we highly advocated for our residents to have free admission to the gym and compared it actually to the undergrad students um, who, they pay nothing to go to this huge, you know, workout facility on their uh, undergrad campus. And we thought this, the facility downtown could be a good avenue for our medical students and our residents can either have a very low um, fee or they can go for free. So they were actually going to grant us to have that. But then when COVID happened, it kind of um, halt stalled all the plans for the gym. So that is something on our list that we're hoping to get done. I think though, as a uh, institution uh, in general, um, I recently in the last, I think it was about a year or maybe a year ago or so, I listened to this um, podcast and it really struck a chord with me in, you know, how do you change uh, physician wellness? And it's, 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 it has a lot to do with creating a culture of wellness. And um, to me, what I took away from that was um, you really have to um, encourage that culture of wellness in every avenue, every time you see your residents. It's not creating a bunch of ice cream socials and things for them to do, things on the agenda. It's, you know, um, little things like was something we implemented into our M&Ms. At the beginning of our M&Ms, we always mention what went well. So we take the first five minutes of M&M and, you know, we're always kind of scurrying the night before to try to figure out um, who can help us to present, who can help us to say. And it's little things like this past week, we had a resident who um, was with a patient in the operating room who had a thyroid surgery and he noticed that there was an expanding hematoma. And before the attending can even come back into the room, the resident had opened the neck um, you know, the, and, and basically help this patient not to have a collapsed airway. So you might think like, 
And, and you and I were probably all in that situation before. And we were, we learned how to do that in residency. And, and you hear comments like, oh, well, it takes, you know, good thing it was once in your five years that you're doing that. But really, we have to acknowledge the fact that the resident did an amazing thing. They help save that patient's life. And, and, and how cheesy it sounds is, is like, you really have to like dial in and, and encourage them and say, you saved that patient's life. You know, it, without you being there, that patient probably, you know, could have had an anoxic brain injury. You helped them to regain that and, and good job, you know? And I think just taking the time to acknowledge those little things that, a resident makes a good diagnosis or things like that, you're actually creating a culture of wellness. You're creating that feel, feeling of, I'm a part of a team, I'm actually doing stuff for the patient's lives, and I'm actually you know, contributing to society. Um, you know, th those things make our residents feel like they're actually progressing through their residency successfully. And I think that's a huge part of the culture of wellness. And, mm -hmm. and, and ever since then, I mean, it, it's, it, it was, you know, always in the back of my mind, you know, like, oh yeah, we need to encourage our residents. We always kind of think that, but now like, you know, my residents may get sick of all my dad jokes, but like, I am like, I cheese it up with them. I'm like, mm -hmm you were doing a good job. You, you, that dissection was really good. That was chief level dissection. And if, I mean, if it's there, you call it to them, you bring it to their attention, you let them know what they're doing right. Um, because there's a lot of times we just kind of, you know, meets expectations doing dissection as, you know, chief level should, you know. Um, but I really do think that the more we acknowledge that, the more they feel valued and the more they, um, they, they want to come to work. They want to be there. They want to help each other and they want to be a part of the team. And acknowledge them for doing the things that they wanted to do for going into medicine in the first place, not necessarily the other stuff. Exactly. So um, how did you guys get involved with wellness? How did this come up as a, an area of interest for you? I'll start with Jen this time. Please. Yeah. So, um, being a little vulnerable here, it was, uh, actually navigating through my own experience of burnout and I didn't know to call it burnout at that time, but I realized, um, I was just sort of dissatisfied, ended up leaving my old job, took a new job. Um, <clears throat> and then upon some reflection and then hearing some other people talk, I'm like, well, that's, that was burnout was what that was. And, um, so navigating through that own experience and then the, the role came up for chief wellness officer at, at Indiana university. And I got the email and I just deleted it. I was like, who would want that awful job? <laughs> and, uh, then talking to one of my mentors, he was like, well, Jen, like you personally have experience with navigating this and, you know, your passion is not to just throw out one more program and hope it sticks. Like you have a personal passion for, for wellness and, and what that means. And, um, so he encouraged me to apply for, for the job. So my experience with, um, wellness is deep, rooted deeply in my own navigation of how I, um, have both experienced and walked through periods of burnout with some of my colleagues. So it's very personal to yeah. me. And you mentioned earlier that how, how many, um, staff can potentially be lost if you don't have wellness. And it, it sounds like you didn't have the potentially the resources you needed at your prior job. 
Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, nationally, the national burnout rates hover somewhere around 40 to 50%. And of those people who are burned out, a, a portion of them will leave their job like I did. Um, you know, and again, I, I didn't look up and go, I'm burned out. I'm leaving my job. Mm-hmm. I went, I'm unhappy. Maybe it's because of my job and I left. So um, yeah, and there's a steep um, social and psychological and financial burden that comes with that. Chrissy? Um, I would say, you know, uh, I, I kind of started at Tulane and just, I think our chair, Dr. Kalaki had a lot to do with, um, asking me if I would want to do this position and asking me if I would want to do the, the wellness committee as well. And I don't know if it's just cause, you know, um, I tend to find a lot of things outside of work to do. And, and I think initially, whenever you, you hear of a wellness program somewhere, it's like, how can we create these activities for the residents that are fun to do outside of work when it's much more than that, obviously. Um, But I think maybe I had that energy that wanted to work with the residents. I've had some mentorship experience before. Um, You know, when I was an undergrad, I used to mentor um, uh, junior high kids. So uh, I've always had that kind of uh, relationship and and wanting to have that um, sort of relational mentorship with um, other you know, trainees that are lower than me and, and, and that have been through things that I um, have experienced before. So I think maybe the appeal to that and uh, just sitting down with Dr. Kalaki, she had mentioned that this is something that she wanted to add to the department. And I obviously was like, I'm all in. Um, this is me. Like, this sounds perfect. So ever since then, I've just sort of tried to find out what everybody else around the country is doing and how to learn from other people and what can we implement to Tulane. Very nice. So, um, Jen, you had spoken um, about your previous job and not, and being burnt out and uh, potentially not having those resources available to you. Um, Supposing that we have listeners who are in a similar situation Um, who are not at an institution that has prioritized wellness in the same way that Tulane and Indiana University have. Um, What what are some resources available to anybody listening um, in order to help them uh, stave off burnout or find ways of helping their own wellness? Yeah, so I think this is a great question. I'm gonna answer it in a couple of parts. And the first thing I'll say is, Remember that wellness is not just about engaging in a wellness titled program. It is all of the things that like Chrissy has been talking about and recognizing that how important the value of relationships is. So the very first thing I would say is if you don't feel like there are resources within your own institution, number one, don't step back and be passive engage where there are resources. So East is a fantastic place to engage through a mentorship program, through getting on a committee, become a member, get involved. And then then you get yourself off of the island. And that is the most important thing you can do for your own well-being is to recognize that you're not alone. So it doesn't necessarily have to be a wellness dedicated resource, but collaborating with other people, whether it's in your own institution or across the country, uh, I think is one of the best things that we can do to bolster our own well-being. 
And then the second thing I would say is whether or not there is institutional support for quote unquote wellness programs or initiatives or leadership in wellness, the most successful wellness initiatives or programs or, or things that I have seen are organically grow with a small group of people. So I've seen the most fantastic peer mentoring programs and, you know, um, um, like social programs and um, the chaplains have done all these work uh, at our institution, like developing what they're calling compassion circles. And like, there's, so don't wait for somebody else to do it. Do it yourself with a couple of your local colleagues. Be like, you know what? This is a cool idea. We're going to do it here. And then you'd be shocked how those things grow. And then you gain a little traction and recognition in your own local, in your own pocket, whether that's, you know, in your surgery residency or wherever it is. And then that grows and sends a message to other groups. Hey, this is important and we can show you how to do it. So I think, um, don't, don't worry about finding a quote unquote dedicated wellness resources at your own institution, um, build relationships, reach out, get engaged. It's probably the best thing we can do uh, for ourselves. Yeah, I would just echo that. And I would say, um, you know, just be vulnerable with uh, listservs. You know, it's annoying to get all the emails, but, you know, you could send out um, an email to listserv um, if you don't have a wellness committee at your institution, or if you don't have a, a quote unquote wellness um, program or dean or anything set up at your institution, you know, you can send out an email to people and say like, hey, I'm interested in, you know, um, getting some people together to talk about physician well-being. who would be interested. Um, and, you know, you will be surprised how many people will respond to you um, from all disciplines. Um, you know, there's a lot of psychiatrists that are very interested in wellness and, and they have some, some really good ideas and some really good resources um, that can help along the way. I would want to mention there is a, um, a, an article or document that you may want to check out um, on the American College of Web Surgery website. It's facs.org forward slash well-being. It's a good uh, summary of you know, sort of if you, if, you know, some people need something in their hand to say like, oh, well, who says that well-being is important? It's a good document to have as a, it's a bulletin document. I think it's a bulletin. Um, and you print it out and say like, here, this is some good reading uh, resources to show, you know, this is why we need a, a support for a, a physician well-being um, division or a committee or your support, your sponsorship, whatever, um, to get this going at your own institution. So, yeah, I think uh, it's also important to point out in kind of the same light um, that if you're feeling a certain way about your job or about your institution, there's probably other people at the institution who have mm -hmm. similar views. You're probably not alone in that. Sometimes it's just a matter of being willing to speak out and finding out, finding your like-minded individuals. And there's certainly power in numbers as well. Um, so that kind of moves into my last question. Um, so how can somebody become involved in, in wellness either at the institutional level or otherwise in the future? So I would say number one is leverage your relationships, um, make, make connections, understand the power of connection. So um, if, you, if you are in a position where you know someone who's a decision maker, bring it up to them and be like, Hey, I think this is important. 
to a couple steps back from that though, is, um, be bold, give yourself a title, say, I am hereby the wellness champion of the <laughs> division of, of acute care surgery or, or whatever. Um, give yourself a title and roll with it and let people know, Hey, this is important to me and I'm willing to work on this. And then that will open doors phenomenally. Um, and then as you start making connections, it a lot of the wellness work is not about the title. It's about influence. So it's about getting yourself, um, connected with the people who, who can help move the work forward. So I guess the bottom line is just be bold and start doing the work and it will catch on. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I would just, just be vulnerable to, you know, to have people say like, no, we're not doing that right now. And then just to kind of like galley, like gather up more troops and go more um, in, into your little pockets. And then you could say, okay, now we have all these people to support it. What about now? You know, what about this? Um, so um, I definitely would recommend to like reaching out to people that already have some wellness initiatives across the country. You know, we have, uh, we're probably working in way too many silos um, because, um, you know, there's, there's whole like documents, if you Google them, like of, you know, their strategic plans at different institutions of their wellness initiatives. Um, if you don't have your own, um, I mean, like we took, we went to Ohio State's webpage, it's easily Googleable, and, um, you know, kind of use that as an example. And then we go to different institutions uh, and look at their strategic plan and say like, you know, like, let's not reinvent the wheel. This is not, you know, something that we should like think about um, out of the air, like what's our next step in our uh, wellness initiative. There, There's people that have thought about this, they have plans already, and we should really mirror those and try to amplify those and, and create them a little bit different for each institution. But there are so many resources out there. There's so many people. And I'm, and I'm sure if you look across the country, you know, um, and, and contact any of the chief wellness officers, they'd be more than happy to share what was their business plan? What was what they took to the, the administration to have the support that they have now, you know? So definitely reach out. If you, if you, if you search enough and you talk about it enough, you develop your elevator pitch, you know, um, more you talk about it, the more people will even say, oh, I know someone who is at Indiana who could talk to you about this, uh, about wellness. So, you know, just talk about it more. I agree. At the same time, don't get too overwhelmed with a, oh my God, creating yeah. a giant program <laughs> out of the gate. So like, uh, <clears throat> I run marathons and one, of, uh, one of my, um, uh, one of my friends used to tell me like in, in far as, as training goes, he would say, um, the hardest part is the first mile and then you're fine. So you just got to get started. And he would say on hard days, just tell yourself, I'm just going to start out slow and taper off. So like, just put your shoes on, just lace them up, just get out there and do one thing. Don't get overwhelmed by having some giant master plan. Um, mm -hmm. Just put one foot in front of the other and, and stick, stick with the dedication to promote well-being for yourself and everyone you care about. Yeah, it's super important if you're going to, you know, um, talk the talk, you better walk the walk, you know, you better be practicing your own well-being. And 
And I'm not going to say I'm perfect at that because <laughs> I suck some days and, and uh, I, I let my residents know it's not easy, but you know, um, the more you become mindful of uh, what you're doing, the more you'll recognize when you're not being well to yourself. And don't burn yourself out trying to set up a wellness program. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be the ultimate. <laughs> well said. All right. Well, very good. Thank you guys for joining us today. Are there any final thoughts that you would have uh, to share with the listeners? No, I would just say, you know, really um, just personally find what gives you strength, um, because once you find that it will just be contagious to your trainees and your colleagues around you and um, don't lose the joy of medicine. We all came in here to do good things and um, like refine that if you've lost it. Yep, I would agree. Do what you love and then it's not uh, an onerous task. And just remember, we're all in this together. All right, totally. very good. Well, thank you guys for joining me today. Um, and 